Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. On Block Talk Radio, I'm your host, Edie Summers, and my very special guest today is Blake Bauer. We're going to be talking about his book, You Were Not Born to Suffer, Love Yourself Back to Inner Peace, Health, Happiness, and Fulfillment. Blake D. Bauer is an internationally recognized spiritual teacher, energetic healer, and author. His pioneering work centers on loving yourself unconditionally in the present moment as the key to healing yourself fulfilling your life's purpose, and realizing your greatest potential, both personally and professionally. After studying with spiritual teachers, healers, and masters from all over the world, Blake now practices and teaches various forms of meditation, Qigong, Qigong energy medicine, and Yin, a health and longevity yoga. Blake has also formally studied traditional Chinese medicine, five-element Chinese medicine, nutritional medicine, herbal healing, psychology, both Eastern and Western schools of thought, past life regression therapy hypnosis, and various other forms of traditional healing and alternative medicine. Through his private practice, writing, and teaching, Blake has devoted his life to helping others find lasting inner peace, health, happiness, and fulfillment bringing together the most effective spiritual practices and holistic approaches to health and well-being. His work and teachings have successfully guided thousands of people internationally toward greater psychological, emotional, physical, financial, and spiritual freedom. And I have the great pleasure of reading Blake's book, You Were Not Born to Suffer, and it's even my greater pleasure to welcome Blake into our studio today. I'm just going to turn on your microphone here, Blake. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, I can, Edie. Can you hear me okay? I can. Thank you. Thanks so much for being here today. Well, thank you for having me on your show. I'm, you know, I'm excited to, for our chat. Me too. Um, I, there's like we have so much to there's so much to talk about. Um, I just want to first of all say thank you for writing such a profoundly um, beautiful book full of so much wisdom. Um, it really greatly affected me, and I I'm just so grateful that you um, shared your gift and and shared your experience um, in this this beautiful book. It kind of reminds me of. Um, your writing reminds me a little bit of Eckhart Tolle. Um, I know you guys talk about, I mean, I know he talks about being in the present moment too, but I just, I really love your style of writing. Um, it's very, 
um, profound and yet it's accessible. So I just um, wanted to thank you for that. It's just it's just an, a beautiful book. So <laughs> thank you, Edie. So that, that's obviously a great honor um, to hear one that the book you know um, touched you in a deep way and um, you know impacted your life. And then also I respect Eckhart Tolle's work um, very greatly, and so that's another um, honor for me to hear. Um, so thank you very much. You're welcome. And I just, I really hope that other people um, get to experience your book as well. And I just want to mention, we're going to mention this again, um, but we actually are, you were, you graciously offered um, to give away two copies of your book. So um, your second edition with um, your gorgeous new cover, um, which of course has the butterfly on it, which is, of course is a huge theme in your book, and I definitely want to get into that. But I just wanted to let anyone know who's listening um, who wanted to read your book, um, this is an opportunity for them to receive a free copy, which is just incredibly gracious of you. So um, if anyone's listening and wanted to do that, we'll mention this again um, maybe toward the end of the, our talk here, but they can go to connectwell.com, that's C-O-N-N-E-K-T-W-E-L-L.com, and just fill out a free free profile, and then go ahead and write a couple sentences on why you would like to receive this book on mastering unconditional self-love. So I was just wondering, um, before we get into the book, um, can you tell us a little bit, I mean, I definitely want to know about your journey, but also what exactly is unconditional self-love? I know we're going to be talking about this, of course, throughout our talk today, but maybe just in a nutshell, what does that mean exactly? Well, that's obviously very, very loaded. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I think, and you know, the, and the book, you know, the book's about 300 pages, and mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, my intention obviously was to cover what that is um, in that. And I, I, ironically, I just finished recording the audio book uh, version of the book. Oh, and congratulations. That, that took me over. Thank you so much. Um, I'm, you know, I'm very excited, very excited okay. to share that, obviously, because there's a lot of people who um, have trouble reading um, mm. because of their eyes or health conditions or because of their lifestyle, um, you know, they commute a lot. So it's really going to help the, the message reach a lot more people. But what I was getting at was it took me over 30 hours of recording my voice in a studio so it could take me that long to really explain what unconditional self-love really means. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> but over time, I think over, you know, over, over time and throughout my journey, it's obviously become more clear to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can um, just share, I guess, a few of the key, key points, I guess, that I practice on a daily basis that just help me to um, enjoy my life every day and, uh, do the work that I was born to do and mm-hmm. um, kind of attend to my relationships and um, do what I can to keep them conscious and loving and healthy. Um, mm-hmm. And I think one thing that came from, you know, my journey and is a big message in the book is that um, learning to love ourselves unconditionally and unconditional self-love um, is founded on the idea that we are the love that we're seeking um, mm, because a lot yeah. of times, you know, we spend every, really every day looking outside of ourselves for love 
never realizing that our soul or our spirit or the life inside of us is an infinite source of pure, unconditional love. Mm -hmm. So I would say that's a really important um, thing to understand in understanding what unconditional self-love is, is that knowing that we have all the love we could ever need inside of ourselves um, to fulfill the love that we're looking for. Mm, um, okay. Another really important part of unconditional self-love is just accepting whatever we're thinking and accepting whatever we're feeling both emotionally and uh, the physical sensations in our body in the present moment. So that's a really big part of unconditional self-love is not fighting or resisting, pardon me, anything that's going on in our mind, not resisting anything that's going on in our heart, not resisting anything that's going on in our body, and then to take that one step further, not resisting anything that's going on in our environment. So, you know, what's going mm -hmm. on in the, the, the room that you're in right now or the space that you're in or in any moment, um, not resisting the people and how they're behaving or what they're saying, you know, learning to just kind of accept um, the outer world as well as the inner world is a, is a really big part of unconditional self-love because with that type of surrender and acceptance, we don't suffer um, when mm, we can yes. not try and change things or control things. Um, okay. And that's obviously, you know, so many spiritual masters talk about the idea of surrender um, and, you know, letting go of control. And so for me, unconditional self-love, that's a very large part of it. Um, and then another really important point for me is just really being true to myself in every moment. So really expressing what I'm feeling in every moment and situation, really expressing, you know, what, what feels really strongly in my heart um, mm -hmm. and acting based on that. So speaking based on that, acting based on that. Um, and just really being true to myself, so not compromising myself, not betraying myself, not abandoning my inner truth, um, just really following my heart, really being honest and authentic, and really just being myself as opposed to trying to be something else or to please other people or to fit in. Um, mm -hmm. Those have been you know, some of the key points to what unconditional self-love really is and there's obviously so many branches to that tree uh, yes. but those are some of the most important points that are actually very practical and not just an idea or a theory so exactly and and thank you so much for um for ex um explaining some of those and we're going to actually i know that we're going to come full, full full circle back to that a lot of what you just said. I just kind of wanted to give people an overview. And I definitely want to know your backstory too, Blake, but I think what feels really relevant to me right now is um, I want to drop people directly into the experience of your book and also um, to help them um, get a roadmap for how they get to where you, where you were just talking about, living with an open heart, surrendering. Um, you know, that, that's the thing is people want to know how. And so this is what really struck me about your book. Um, well, there are many, many things, but um, I have to tell you, when you were, um, your, your first chapter, you talk about um, the butterfly. And of course, butterfly means, it's, it's, means psyche and soul, but it, it stands for transformation. And I was wondering if you could share the story of the butterfly, the two butterflies. Um, I literally stopped, I had to stop 
reading, I was so affected by that story. Um, and also just the metaphor for um, transformation, how that process occurs, um, why why there is suffering, um, sort of like the cocoon that we talk about, that you talk about with um, – um, you know, sort of you have to kind of go through that cocoon stage and then break out of it. Could you just go through that whole metaphor? It's just absolutely brilliant. Yes, of course. Um, thank you, Edie. Um, so first of all, the story that, that Edie mentioned is a story that um, is in the first chapter of my book uh, titled The Butterfly, and it's a, just the chapter that um, I use to kind of introduce concepts around the journey of our soul towards liberation or towards complete freedom um, psychologically, emotionally, physically, financially, and spiritually. And there was a point in my journey where um, I was struggling in myself emotionally through um, you know, some v- various experiences and situations. And um, you know, I came across a butterfly one day um, throughout this period and it was you know just this gorgeous blue butterfly fluttering on this plant this beautiful flower and it just stopped me um, in my tracks basically and broke through everything that was going on inside of my mind and my heart and really opened everything up and it was like the sun came out for me and it, it really snapped me out of what I was going through kind of this field of suffering I was stuck in in myself and I just began to read everything that I could find on the butterfly, you know, as a, as a symbol uh, from the biological standpoint of the journey that the butterfly goes through and its metaphor, metamorphosis and what happens on a, a cellular level, uh, a biological level for the butterfly. And I came across this one story that I just thought was so beautiful and so touching. And so I decided to include it in the book. So it's not a story that I uh, wrote myself, but it's just a, a story that, that I heard and that I relayed um, in my own way. Mm-hmm. And the story was um, about uh, a lady who brought two butterfly cocoons into her home that were about to hatch because she wanted to watch the butterflies uh, break free of their cocoon and take flight. She wanted to observe the process. So she had the butterflies on this, the, the cocoons on this table near a window in her home and Eventually, one of the butterflies began to, uh, you know, begin its journey to get out of its cocoon. And so she observed the process and and watched the butterfly kind of, uh, you know, wiggle and and kind of, you know, wedge its way through its cocoon. And um, from her perspective, she felt that the butterfly really struggled and that it was a hard process uh, that, from her perspective, seemed painful and tiresome and after you know some time it eventually did make its way out of its cocoon and she tells the story that the butterfly laid there um, once it had gotten out of its cocoon it laid there on the table where she had the cocoons and it didn't didn't get up and it didn't fly for a little while but then after a short period of time eventually it did and it began to fly and she had the window open and eventually it you know it flew out the window and so After watching that process, she thought to herself, and and very much meaning well, you know, just with the natural love in her heart, she wanted to help the second butterfly get out of its cocoon or liberate itself, and she she didn't want the second butterfly to struggle in the same way that the first butterfly did. And so, meaning well, she went and grabbed a razor blade, 
and she proceeded to cut down very gently the center of the uh, the butterfly's cocoon and, and really kind of help open it up. And so she did that and figuring that eventually the butterfly would get up and fly away just like the first one did. But after that same period of time that it took the first butterfly to get up and fly away, that second butterfly didn't move and it never did. And eventually it died as she was watching the process. And she was very confused about why that happened, you know, especially she, she felt she was, you know, doing the best thing for it. And later on, she had the opportunity to have a conversation with a friend who happened to be a biologist, and she asked her friend, why would that happen? You know, to explain the story and explain what she did and was wondering why, why would that happen? I, you know, I was trying to help the butterfly, but then it, it died. And the friend who was a biologist said that the struggle and the pain that the butterfly goes through to actually liberate itself from the cocoon, so that process of pushing the wings, pushing against the inside of the cocoon, trying to break free and, and throw the cocoon off of itself, that process in and of itself actually forces a liquid that exists deep inside the body cavity of the butterfly's body, and it forces that liquid out into the very tiny uh, capillaries and those branches that fill the wings of the butterfly. And it's that fluid that actually gives the butterfly's wings the strength to fly. And so without that struggle, the butterfly cannot have the strength to be free and to fly and then eventually dies. So when I read that story, obviously it resonated very deeply with my own journey and, and all the, the struggles and the suffering that I had been through and most importantly created for myself and it just helped for me to put things in perspective as to why I had to go through what I did in order to live my life as a free and full expression of myself, of my true self, uh, free of the, the shell, the cocoon, um, you know, the, the confines that really didn't reflect who I was. So, excuse me. Um, and a, so in the book, I love Sorry. Go ahead. Please, yeah, go ahead. No, go so, ahead. I just what um, a beautiful story. <laughs> thank you, Edie. Yes, it is, and um, you know I can't take any credit for it, um, but I did, uh, I did. I did. I did draw it out in in that first chapter of the book, which um, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I talk about how um, you know for the caterpillar that pull into the unknown to create a cocoon for itself. Um, in order to become a free and full expression of itself is so deep and so natural and so inherent in nature, which we are one with. Um, and so I liken, obviously, that, that process to our own soul's uh, journey of healing and spiritual awakening. And, yeah. um, you know, in that chapter, I proceed to um, challenge the reader and explore the idea of, you know, we have two choices. We either settle for the cold comfort of our cocoon and stay trapped in that, or we face our pain and we liberate ourselves from the cocoon so we can live our lives as a free and full expression of who we really are and really do what we came here to do uh, and fulfill our life's purpose. So, 
Um, and yeah. and also and and also not to interrupt, but I just I also want to um, what I also got I got so many things um, just from that chapter alone, but also that the cocoon phase is is part of it. It's necessary. Would you? I mean, I don't. Would you even use that word? Like it's like the struggle. Like being in the cocoon is like I think a lot of us. What I heard, what I understood you saying is that you can't pass that part up. Like it's part of the journey. Is that? Did I yes. understand that correctly? Yes, totally. And so you know, again, if we look at the butterfly, the caterpillar, in order to become become a butterfly, cannot pass up the cocoon phase. Mm-hmm. And so, in the same way that as a human being, we can't pass up the cocoon phase if we want to become liberated or enlightened or fully awake. And, Edie, I'm not sure if you've read the chapter on the ego yet. Um, Part of it, yes. Okay, beautiful. Um, So I proceed in the book to um, draw a parallel between the cocoon and our ego. Mm -hmm. And I talk about how, as children, we actually create the ego or create our ego as an act of self-love in mm-hmm. order to protect our heart from pain. So okay. when we're little caterpillars or little kids, I talk about <laughs> how we create a, a separate self or a, a psychoenergetic. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an energetic and mind-made uh, field that we create in our energy body and our physical body to protect our heart and our mind and our body from emotional pain because as kids, you know, we're so vulnerable and we're so, um, we're so open and so sensitive and so vulnerable to everything around us. So everything that's going on for our parents, everything that's going on in the world. And, you know, sometimes the world and school and our home can feel like a very threatening place or not very safe. And there's a lot of really intense energies and emotions and, and um, things going on around us. So by creating this separate self, uh, this identity, which becomes our ego, you know, who we think we are, not who we are, but who we think we are, Mm -hmm. uh, we think we can control our environment and have some, Mm -hmm. some sense of control over ourselves and our life. And so we create this cocoon to protect ourselves from pain. And in my experience, excuse me, I created my ego to protect myself from pain and to survive in the world. So to survive in my family, Mm -hmm. to survive Mm -hmm. at school, socially with my friends, um, (laughs) and to, um, you know, to kind of get, get by until I was at a point in my journey and in my life where I felt I had acquired the tools and the awareness to basically heal the, the emotional pain that was underneath my ego or my protective shell or my cocoon. And then as I heal that emotional pain, bring down the walls of the ego or break through the walls of the cocoon and then live my life as a, as a true uh, full and free expression of who Blake really is, not mm-hmm. someone who's trying to fit in and, and, you know, in the social world or fit in with my family or their expectations mm-hmm. or society's expectations. Um, and so that's really, the, to me, the most, one of the most important parallels between the, the butterfly's journey through the cocoon uh, to become a butterfly and our own journey from childhood um, to be, you know, creating our ego and, and our conditioned self 
are really not who we really are. We have to lose ourselves to find ourselves. We need to cocoon ourselves to liberate ourselves. Um, and so, and I like how and, you say that. And it's oh, go ahead. Well, I just, I just, I really like how you say that, Blake. <clears throat> Excuse me, because I just, I really want. I, this has really been dawning on me since reading your book. Um, is that I think we're so hard on ourselves if we are in the cocoon phase, and we think oh, yeah. I'm not supposed to be here, and this isn't, this isn't part of the journey. And 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 that's it's sort of that goes that's counterintuitive to loving yourself unconditionally, right? Like not accepting where you are exactly in the present moment, wherever that is, and it's perfectly okay wherever it is. Like that was a huge um, flash of insight for me. So I wanted yes. to thank you for illuminating that for me, and I'm I, I'm really hoping that um, our listeners um, understand that because it's. That's huge. Um, and then, of course, that leads into, so how, 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 I mean, obviously the point is to love oneself in any situation. Um, how, does, how does unconditional self-love bring you out of that cocoon phase? Or what is it that propels you um, or moves you out of the cocoon phase? What is the exact, is it unconditional self-love or what specifically is it that yes. moves one out of that? Yes, well, I mean, I think everything comes back to unconditional self-love because, um, you know, again, I believe that, um, one, we are love. That's who we are. And I actually believe the fundamental substance of the universe is love. So the energy that we talk about in science, you know, the atomic energy um, that we talk about in physics, that is the fundamental energetic nature of reality, I actually believe that substance is actually love. Um, mm-hmm. And so this is this is kind of just a preface. Um, I like to joke, you know, everybody's got a theory uh, about how the universe began, mm-hmm. and that's a really good question. Um, yes. <laughs> and there's a lot of different theories, but one theory I like to play with um, because it makes me smile is <laughs> I like to say that um, Miss, Mr. God loved Mrs. <laughs> God so much. They They were so mm-hmm. passionate about each other. Um, that they made love, and Mrs. God got pregnant, and and she gave birth to the universe. Oh and wow! I, so I like to I like to believe oh. that we are the love children, or the universe is the love child of God uh-huh. and Mrs. God, or those energies, those masculine and feminine energies, the divine masculine and feminine um, God and goddess energies. Wow! Um, so, love it. So I believe in that way, everything comes back to that love and everything comes back mm-hmm. to unconditional self-love because my view is that the universe is one self and, mm-hmm. and it's a system that operates on love for itself. Like the sun is a part of the earth. The earth is a part of the sun. Without the sun's love for the earth, no life on the earth could live. And that to me is self-love from a universal wow. standpoint. Um, you know, without the gravitational pull that exists, um, the earth wouldn't exist. And so that's self-love on a bigger scale. Um, mm. So it all comes back to this idea of self-love. Um, in fact, that was, and even what we're talking about right now with the ego, that mm. was the core insight which actually inspired me to write, You Were Not Born to Suffer. And mm. that insight <laughs> was that once I love myself unconditionally, loving another becomes an act of self-love. So as That's we right. Down, yes. 
Go ahead. Yeah. And um, so as we, as, we, as we love ourselves unconditionally, which heals the pain in our heart, which then bring down, brings down the wall of the ego or the separate mm-hmm. self, we mm-hmm. then love other people, and that's just an extension of us loving ourselves because there's no separation. Uh, so how this got it. <laughs> Go how, on. <laughs> well, because a lot of times, you know, when we don't love ourselves, we love other people or we, we try and give our love to other people or please other people so they'll love us in return, which is mm-hmm. unconscious and coming from insecurity and inadequacy. Mm-hmm. And it's still love, but there's a higher form of love when we love ourselves. It's a bit more pure. There's no manipulation or conditions that we place on the love we give or what we do out of love. Um, and so going back to your question about, you know, the cocoon phase, you know, firstly, a lot of people talk about the ego as though it's an enemy or it's a bad thing or it's a, it's, some people talk about it as a pet that we have to train. And I personally feel um, that, that those, those perspectives can really misguide people because, um, in order to, in my experience, really be free, we have to embrace and love everything. And we, that means we have to embrace and love the ego and understand that, that it serves a purpose, that that cocoon phase has served a very, very important purpose in our journey and, and could actually be no other way. Um, the only mm-hmm. thing that could be different is the degree to which it develops and how early we get out of it basically, because mm-hmm. some of okay. us stay stuck in our cocoon our whole lives. Right. Um, and hmm. um, okay. I believe if we're willing to face the pain, we can be free. That's where we have choice. That's where we have uh, influence over that process. So, yes, um, you know, we live because we, we are both physical and non-physical, right? You know, anytime we define anything or give a concept, label anything with a concept, we create a paradox. We create two sides of the coin and thus the tension in between that. So um, on one level, yes, the, the, the creation of the cocoon, the creation of the ego is necessary, but so is our liberation from it necessary. Um, and there's a tension, you know, it's like where we are is exactly where we're meant to be. Um, but the frustration you know, that we experience, which I think, you know, was inherent in what you were expressing before, you know, and I know times in my journey where I've been or get frustrated about where I am in comparison to, to where I know I could be mm-hmm. or where I know I am going. I think deep in our heart, we all know that we're destined for greatness, that we are capable mm-hmm. of so much, that what we could experience and create and achieve in this human incarnation in this lifetime is really limitless and so even if even if we don't even talk about that or we don't even we're not even conscious of that in our life some of us are conscious of it and strive for that and a lot of us are not conscious of it and don't consciously strive for that but even so in each case I believe deep down we know that we know we're destined and capable for so much and so there's always that force inside of us that's driving us towards the realization of the highest vibration for our life, the most joy, mm-hmm. the most health, mm-hmm. the best relationships, the highest forms of love. And so 
the frustration that is birthed between being where we are but knowing that we're going somewhere else is purposeful because that is the energy, that is the fuel that drives us forward. So um, no matter where we are and no matter where we think we should be or know we will one day be or Mm want to be, the frustration um, is born out of that, sometimes anger, sometimes sadness. All of that is the, uh, the energy and the fuel that is going to propel us to uh, heal the things we need to heal, address the situations we need to address, change the things that are in our power to change, express the things we need to express, and then go take the actions that we need to take. So that's kind of the dynamic um, of, you know, we're in the cocoon, um, you know, we're supposed to be where we are, but yet there's this knowing we're going somewhere else where we know we're going to be a butterfly, that we know that's our destiny. Um, and, you know, how do we get there? And why am I yeah. not there? And what do I right. do with all these emotions that are present? And so unconditional self-love means we accept that frustration. We don't pretend it's not there because if we repress it, we make ourselves sick and then we're not being authentic in our situation, you know, so, but if we're frustrated with our job or our relationship or really ourself and how we're dealing with our relationships or our job or whatever it is that we're involved in, um, if we accept it, we can work with it. If we deny it and repress it, then we just create more pain and we delay our liberation. But again, that's all purposeful because that's what we need to learn in order to take the next step. Um, I don't know, Edie, if you've gotten to this section in the chapter on the ego, but I Mm -hmm. talk about how I I compare the ego to taking painkillers. So I don't take, (laughs) I don't don't personally take painkillers, but it it actually came up as a really strong and tangible analogy, especially in today's world, because a lot of us are on pharmaceutical drugs, whether it be Mm -hmm. for headaches or for high blood pressure or antidepressants or anti-anxiety. You know, we all struggle. And in today's world, you know, there are lots of different pills that people use to help them through a certain period. So Mm -hmm. this just seemed like a really powerful analogy. So, I talked about how as children, you know, we create the, the ego, we create this cocoon for ourselves to protect us from pain. In the same way, you know, if you have horrible headaches, then, you know, at, at some point it may be okay for you to take some painkillers to relieve the headache. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as it's not in excess. And it's just a, it's just a support system until you can find a long-lasting solution. But for a lot of us, what happens, and this is the same with the ego, is we stay on those painkillers for a long time, and we don't look at the root cause of where those headaches are coming from or where that physical pain is coming from. So not only do we not look at the root cause of the symptom or the, the physical pain, but we also begin to start building up toxicity from the painkillers in our body you know, from taking all the medication, it begins to create more physical pain on top of the physical pain that our soul is screaming out for us to heal. So in the same way with the ego, you know, originally we created to protect ourselves from pain, but eventually we're supposed to get to the root cause, which is the psychological and emotional pain that is underneath the ego from our childhood, 
that mm-hmm. we, our, our soul is asking us to heal. But a lot of times we just keep creating more pain for ourselves by staying in an ego state of being, by protecting our heart from love and, and not being open and not being vulnerable. And then we keep creating additional pain on top of the original pain that our soul is asking us to heal. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. again, it's that, and- it's that dichotomy. It's a contradiction that creates the pressure and the tension and the energy to move us forward because mm-hmm. often the pressure mm-hmm. has to get so intense. I know in my own life and Edie, I'm sure, you know, I'd love to hear from you. Um, <laughs> for me, it wasn't until the pressure got so intense in my mm-hmm. body and my mind and my life that my mm-hmm. ego cracked and opened mm-hmm. to a new <laughs> way of being. Wow. Um, and what a great metaphor. Yeah, what a so, great metaphor. Um, well, I, I would love to, um, I think that's a great place to, um, I'm going to read this really short quote that's in your book. And then I, I think, I think, um, I'd love to talk more about, um, I think this might be a good time for your story. Um, because this is, you know, a great way to show, give people a personal example of, um, breaking free. And, you know, we've been talking about pain and of course, suffering, right? Like this is the this is the catch is nobody wants to suffer, no one wants to be in pain, and yet it's part of the process. And of course life is yes. um it's yin and yang. So um as much as you are suffering, there is the flip side. It's um we can always ma- um harness this energy that you're talking about um to break free of that cocoon. Um and I, I really struck by this quote by Carl Jung, um that you have just amazing quotes in in addition to your own quotes in your book. Um but Carl Jung, I hope I'm saying his name correctly, um, he says people yes. will do anything, no matter how absurd, in order to avoid facing their own soul. And, um, of course, that's part of the, the more famous quote that I've always heard is, one does not become enlightened by imagining figures of light, but by making the darkest darkness conscious. And I've only heard the last part. So I really appreciate you um, finding the rest of that quote, and um, I think it's so true. Um, as much as we want to be free, um, I think there's this huge fear of facing the unknown and facing our own pain and suffering, wouldn't you say? Um, there's this, again, that dichotomy Definitely. of wanting to be free and, and not maybe feeling like we have the courage or... Um, but like you said, what I hear you saying is that it, it got so intense that um, your ego just cracked. And um, so... Um, which, which is again an, an amazing, perfect metaphor um, for breaking free. Sort of, um, you sort of reach that that place where you can't help but change. Um, you can't take it anymore. You can't take the suffering anymore, perhaps. Um, yeah. But um, I, w- I would love to. Um, what I'm going to do is take a really, really short break, Blake, and then um, come back. And if it's okay with you, I'd like to hear, and I'm sure um, our listeners would as well, um, your personal story and journey um, um, through transforming and coming into your own soul's liberation and, and realizing and actually becoming, I think, a master of unconditional self-love. So. Well, thank you, Edie. I will um, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm right here, and I will be here. <laughs> okay. Um, we'll be back in just a yeah. few minutes. You're listening to The Wellness Coach on Block Talk Radio. Mm-hmm. 
Hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Wellness Coach on Block Talk Radio. I'm your host, Edie Summers, and I've been speaking with Blake D. Bauer, and he is the author of You Were Not Born to Suffer, Love Yourself Back to Inner Peace, Health, Happiness, and Fulfillment. Blake Bauer is an internationally recognized spiritual teacher, energetic healer, and author. His pioneering work centers on loving yourself unconditionally in the present moment as the key to healing yourself fulfilling your life's purpose, and realizing your greatest potential, both personally and professionally. So, um, Blake, I was wondering, um, of course, you do talk about your story in your book. And again, I highly recommend that people um, get your book. It's just, it's literally one of my favorite books. And it's also a gorgeous cover, by the way. Um, You've got this, now, was this blue butterfly? Did you describe that to um, Robert Mueller, who designed your cover? Did you... Did you have him just, just um, design it as a blue butterfly, like the one that you saw? I'm curious. <laughs> no, no, oh, ironically, no? Really? I did not. Wow. Yeah, it was interesting. I I respect his work very much, and mm-hmm. um, and so which was challenging for me in the sense that I just handed it over to him, and trusted that whatever mm-hmm. he came up with uh, would be perfect. And in the end, wow. it, it absolutely was. And so, no, I did not. Um, tell him about the blue butterfly, excuse me, um, and that just came to his subconscious naturally to me as a part of the higher order of things of, you know, what was actually meant to be and destined to be. Um, so, yeah, no, it was very interesting how that all came about. That is really interesting. Um, talk about synchronicity. Um, yeah, isn't it? I kind of I heard you say this earlier that like sort of when we le- re- when we release control, um, maybe this is tying a couple of words of your wisdom together. But when we release control, that's sort of when things happen at their highest level. Um, and you know, there's there's like you also mentioned um, there's the highest vibration that we can operate at. And I think that we we tend to we want we wish so much to be happy, right, and to be free of suffering that we try to control every situation, and yet it's when we release it that that's when the most, the magic happens. And kind of like this, I mean, your, your cover is um, alone, let alone your book, is, um, is, is divine, right? And, it's, and, and you, didn't, um, it's, you, didn't ha- you didn't tell him specifically what you wanted, and yet look what occur- uh, you know, appeared that he cr- came up with. It was like you guys were in, in sync. I mean, isn't that the... It's sort of I, I really believe that that part of um being um sort of in tune with the universe is like um resonating with it. And I mean that that's like a different topic, but I just I think it's interesting yeah. how we can we can resonate sort of once we do release control, however we still have to show up for ourselves, right? And love ourselves. We have to do our part and at the same time release right. control. And then, and just let it happen, and just, and it's amazing what does happen. Um, I, I find this like the hardest thing to do is, is to release control. I find it very difficult. But, um, but I, on that note, I would love to hear your story because um, we've been talking about um, many, many topics: um, liberation, the ego, pain and suffering, um, vibration, um, unconditional self-love, and also I want to put into the mix desire because. Um, you know, we can talk about pain and suffering all day long, but um, you talk about how desire is, is part of um, liberating yourself, is sort of like kind of um, letting yourself feel your desires and follow them. Um, and I'm I'm curious about your story because 
I know that I have a personal interest in this um, just because of, you know, for many, many reasons on a personal level. But um, the idea of addiction and just, you know, um, I know that you didn't, did you mention that you were, I just, anyway, I'd love to hear your story because the idea of desire and just sort of, I think that we think that maybe being liberated is like this, like free of desire and it's really not. It's actually moving toward what we really wish for anyway, isn't it? Yes, I definitely. Um, <laughs> okay. I think for, there were a few things that you mentioned that, that you know, are really obviously loaded and important points. And before we took the break, yeah, and, I, and I want to speak to them because I think that they're just very important, you know, for whoever's listening. You know, we could, yeah. I want, you know, obviously the intention with our conversation is to um, be of service to the people listening as much as possible. Um, yeah. And so I wanted to say that before the, the, the break, we were, you, were, you mentioned the Carl Jung quote about, um, mm. you know, what we do to avoid our own soul and to avoid our own pain. Even though we want to be free, we avoid ourselves so much. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, what I wanted to point out is that, you know, that desire for freedom and that fear of what that entails is synonymous really, I think, on a deeper level um, for me and I think for all of us. Um, that we're all really just looking for love, you know, that love Mm. is the one thing we want more than anything Mm. in the same way, you know, we want to be free or we want to be happy. Mm -hmm. What we want more than anything is love. And that same love we desire above everything else is the the same love that we fear more than anything. And I think that's really Mm. important to understand. Mm. And and the reason why we fear the love that we're looking for, we want it, but we're so afraid of it. Um, and the reason why we're so afraid of it is because that love, one, unlocks our heart, and mm-hmm. two, brings to the surface all the pain that we have not felt or healed from the past. And so we want the love, but we're afraid of it because we're afraid of feeling the emotional pain that we've repressed from our childhood and from our past disappointments and heartbreaks and heartaches. And so often, you know, I mean, if you look at your life right now, often we don't feel safe and we don't feel supported in our environment or in our relationships to break down and to totally let out all of the confused, uh, scary and painful things that are stored inside of our heart. Um, Mm -hmm. And a lot of us have felt this way all our life. And so mm-hmm. we want this love, but we're so afraid of it because it entails such a deep level of vulnerability, vulnerability, vulnerability excuse me, to be that open, that transparent. Um, mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, and, and to actually receive the love that we're looking for, it's a very vulnerable thing because if you let somebody in who, you know, you show everything to and, and thus are really naked, then mm-hmm. you might get hurt. You know, right. there's that risk of getting hurt again, you know, of being betrayed again, of being, you know, someone not being kind to you or respecting you again and right. or dishonoring you again, you know, emotionally abusing you or psychologically abusing you or physically abusing you. You know, we're afraid of being the victim again, really to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's why we, we want the freedom. And, but we're afraid of ourselves, so we do everything we can to avoid ourselves. So we want the love, but we do everything we can to avoid the love. And actually, the source of the love that we're looking for is in our own heart. But to get mm. to that source, we have to go through all the pain, all those layers of pain that we've built up over the years. Um, so, 
Yeah, I just wanted to I make that you, really clear. Yeah, and I love how you say that it's in your heart too. It's almost like it's when you say that it almost feels physical. Like I mean, I know that there. I know that I don't know too much about it, this yet, but I know that there's there, there are correlations right now, isn't? Aren't there? Do you know Do you know more about that? Like the heart is. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? Like it has more. They're finding new discoveries on it, like how it actually is. Um, like it has neurons in it or something, isn't that right? Or like it's yeah, you can actually feel. Than the brain. Yes, it's got a very, very powerful electromagnetic field, um, and I think often much more powerful than the brain's electromagnetic field. But I use mm-hmm. the heart because, you know, and really when I'm speaking, because I want to bypass the protective or defensive as- aspect of our thinking, um, that idea of going straight mm-hmm. to the heart. I see. Um, right, I see. And really okay. the, cent- the center of our being, you know, the, the mm-hmm. core of our being. Um, and for a lot of people, that association is the heart. Um, mm-hmm. so. and, I also, and also, I know that you talk about this toward the end of your book about how you do have to come to a place. We don't have we don't have to do anything, right? But because um, our will is involved in this, but um, that living with an open heart is part of it. It's a big part of it, and and being um, willing to be vulnerable, like you were saying, and, and risk rejection. Right, um, but I, yes. what I'm learning, what I'm learning from you, Blake, is that um, what protects you from that is when you do love yourself. That's what I'm really learning here. Yeah. I mean, I'm learning many things, but it's like you you can't be hurt by somebody if you truly, deeply, genuinely, authentically love yourself on the deepest level. It's like you're untouchable, um, not untouchable, yes. but you're. Um, that's I don't want to use that word, but. Um, you're you're not a victim in any situation because you're you're pure light, um, right. and it's exactly. so it's that's your safety is is unconditional self love. That's what I'm learning, which is a huge way a new way of thinking about it because um, I know that people are afraid of um, being hurt um, and opening their heart, but that's really the only way to live. If you, I mean, in my experience, if you if you do want to be happy or successful or healthy, is you do have to embody that vul- vulnerability, um, and um, and that's again where the where things where life opens up, just like opening up your heart yes. does, and it's, it's just I know that it can be um, profoundly scary, but um, but so I so thank you so much for for really clarifying that. And um, so, so what, what is your journey, Blake? Um, just for a, like a personal example, you have a really great story. Um, I was, that was the first thing, of course, I read in your book is your, your story. And I'm, I'm a huge fan yes. of stories, and um, I think it makes things really personal, and it's a great way to learn for other people. So um, if you don't mind sharing, um, what, what was your journey like to coming to where you are now? Yes, thank you very much. Um, obviously, there's so much to say, but um, <laughs> so I think you know, like like all of us, you know, we all have our challenges growing up, you know, in our family environment, and they and they vary for all of us in different ways. And and so I had had you know my my challenges as a child, and but um, I believe we choose our parents and we choose our the childhood that we have, and so um, I don't. Uh, allow myself to perceive myself to be a victim to anything that happened in my childhood, um, mm-hmm. thankfully. But what is most important for me to share is that, you know, when I became, when I was about 14, I got heavily into drugs and alcohol um, mm-hmm. as a way to, one, numb myself 
to my emotions and my inner world and to numb my intuition and to numb my pain and also as a means to survive, survive socially, um, you know, like to fit in, you know, to drink and to get high. And, um, you know, and I'll, obviously this is all subconscious and coming from a, a survival mechanism inside of me. You know, how do I survive and um, obviously thrive within the given nature of my environment or my circumstances. And so for me, I got, you know, heavily in, into drugs and alcohol and was, you know, began just smoking pot and drinking. And then I started doing pills and, you know, taking a lot of um, different kinds of pills like Valium and Vicodin and Xanax and, um, yeah, and then it got to a point where I even began to sell drugs um, and mm-hmm. did that to support my habit. Um, mm-hmm. And so between the ages of 14 and 18, you know, that was basically a, a big part of my life. And I um, was also a very good athlete um, mm-hmm. at that point in my life, and I played football in America mm-hmm. and um, was a captain of my team my senior year and considering playing football at the next level, you know, at college mm-hmm. or university. And wow. um, between, between the ages of 14 and 18, I had been arrested uh, three or four times. I was um, suspended from my high school three or four times. And in the summer, you know, when I was 17, I, before my senior year and my senior football season, which obviously would have been the biggest season for me, um, I got a DUI um, driving under the influence of alcohol and drugs. And I actually fell asleep at the wheel. I, you know, put my car in park one night in the middle of the night, actually coming home from a girlfriend's house and um, put the car in park and literally, literally fell asleep. And um, so I was arrested wow. and, um, mm-hmm. you know, and obviously a danger to myself and a danger to other people. Mm-hmm. And um, I was arrested and then eventually it didn't happen until a few games into my the senior season. I was uh, kicked off the team and, mm-hmm. um, you know, lost that aspect of my life. I also pushed away, obviously, through all of that, my family, my, my parents, you know, it caused them a lot of grief and and pain and, um, you know, uh, and then also I had a girlfriend at the time. I pushed her away and hurt her deeply um, and really hurt myself very deeply. So going back, you know, kind of tying in the themes that we've been talking about, when I was 18, I had basically hit rock bottom. I had mm-hmm. um, pushed away my girlfriend. I had pushed away football and all my, my best friends were on that te- the team with me and, and it was our life. So basically the life, the identity or the ego I had worked so hard to create unconsciously mm-hmm. to survive basically mm-hmm. crumbled. I lost wow. total control of who I thought I was. I, I lost mm-hmm. basically all the things that I defined myself by, you know, and for other people, you know, that might've happened at, at a younger age as a teenager like me, or for other people, it happens later on in life. You know, you lose a job or you lose a loved one or, you were a mother and you and now you're not a mother anymore so you've lost your identity or you were a husband or you were a breadwinner or you were you know whatever it is that you identified yourself with often when we lose that identity we are lost and we don't know who we are anymore we don't know what we're doing with our life and for me thankfully you know at the time it was very painful but thankfully now in retrospect thankfully I lost myself 
and suffered very deeply at a, at a very young age. Um, mm. And so, you know, by 18, I found myself just very confused and very anxious and very insecure. I was, you know, as a, before that, I was very, I felt I was invincible, um, very, you know, confident, probably arrogant. Um, and that was all my ego protecting me from all this pain inside of me. And then I found myself, like I said, very insecure, uh, feel, you know, very inadequate, very lost, very confused. Um, you know, someone who, you know, felt he fitted in completely now felt like he was on the complete outside of everything and everyone. And, you know, that was a very tough time. But now I'm very grateful that that happened because that set in motion the, uh, the realization of why I came to the planet and um, this work that I now do every day that I love and these great relationships that I love and, um, you know, a very good relationship with my family. And so, um, so that began my quest, basically, to heal myself and to figure out why I came to the planet. So after high school, um, I had already made plans throughout this period to go on to college because the high school I went to encouraged most kids to go to college. And so I had already put that in place. And the first school I went to, I, I had already signed up to study business and advertising. And for me, school was just kind of a sideline, you know, and my, my personal life was the most important thing. And I just kind of you know, even throughout all of high school, just that was just something you had to do. So it felt like that for me, too, for college. I was just going with the flow. Everybody else, a lot of people I knew were doing it, so I did it. Uh, mm-hmm. It was better, you know, it just seemed like the right thing to do. And my family was encouraging it. So I just kind of went with the flow. But very quickly, um, you know, I realized that um, what I was studying had no meaning to me. Um, you know, I had grown up, like many of us do, that money – um, is the path to happiness and the path to success and the most important thing in life. And so all of those beliefs, which were attached to my identity, my previous identity, just all began to crumble. They had no foundation to stand on anymore. And um, I think because I had faced a lot of that pain alone in isolation, that there was the pain wasn't there to hold up these beliefs anymore. I didn't need to protect myself from them anymore. So it was easier for me to let them go. And um, so I dropped out of that, that first school I went to after a year and, and studied some philosophy. And, you know, and then I just began reading everything I could on um, the nature of the universe and God and physics and biology and evolution and, you know, all different forms of religion. And I began to practice meditation and yoga uh, very uh, consistently. Um, I also was, you know, like to work out and go to the gym a lot. But throughout that period, I also herniated discs in my back that stopped oh. me from working out um, hmm. purposefully, you know, because, again, mm-hmm. that, that gym life I had was a big part of my ego. And that, that, that forced me to do acupuncture and that forced me to mm-hmm. do yoga. And that all began hmm. to really wake me up. Um, and I found great freedom from my suffering and great clarity in my mind through those practices. And, um, 
I ended up going to four other universities, and I mm-hmm. studied um, psychology, and I studied um, you know, nutritional medicine, and I studied early childhood development and educational mm-hmm. theory, really you know, trying to understand myself and trying to figure mm-hmm. out what I wanted to do with my life. And I studied, I went and studied traditional Chinese medicine, um, mm-hmm. so very, you know, t- TCM, you know, very uh, balanced with science and the traditional medicine. And I did that for a year. And, and that, you know, as interesting as it was, it didn't really nurture the deeper part of me that I was longing for, these answers that I was looking for. You know, it was mm-hmm. fascinating, but it still was not giving me the tangible, practical answers I was looking for to you know, experience life in a specific way that I knew was possible. So, you know, when I I was suffering at my worst, I knew that there was a way out of that suffering, and I was trying to find that. And I think anybody who's listening, you know, and I'm sure, Edie, you can relate, that even in the worst of times, deep in your heart, there's a part of you that knows that life doesn't have to be this painful and there Mm -hmm. is a way out. We may not know how and we may not know where, but we know that it exists, and that keeps Mm -hmm. us going. You know, that's yeah. that, that seed of hope, you know, inside of us. Um, and so I just kept, kept going, and I studied uh, a, a very spiritual form of Chinese medicine called five-element Chinese medicine. Um, and then I started doing hands-on healing work and studied Qigong uh, healing and energy medicine and began to do with my hands what I had learned to do with acupuncture, so not mm-hmm. even needing needles anymore. And mm-hmm. everything wow. just kept progressing and you know, and, and then the list goes on. There are dozens of people that I was blessed to study with, you know, spiritual mm-hmm. masters, Qigong mm-hmm. masters, uh, Tai Chi masters. Um, and again, the list just goes on and on. And, and eventually I got to this stage um, where, you know, I knew that I was doing the work that I was born to do, which was working with people. I began to do counseling work and I began to do coaching work and I began to do energy healing and, and alternative medicine and lifestyle advice. Uh, I began to teach the meditation that I had been practicing for years. I began to teach uh, the Qigong I had been practicing for years. Um, but there was still something in my heart that was missing that I felt, you know, there was still this one reason I was born and I hadn't fully grasped, grasped that yet. And, um, you know, obviously that was many years later after my initial breakdown, but, um, eventually through some synchronistic events, uh, and some very life changing events, I ended up coming to Australia, which is where I'm talking to you from now. And, um, through some, (laughs) and through some very, uh, Life, life-changing, life-changing experiences and events, I began to see, and as I mentioned earlier, I, I was, while I was here, um, I actually heard the words that once I love myself unconditionally, loving another becomes an act of self-love. And mm-hmm. at that time, I had been writing a lot about love and acceptance and what is love and what is acceptance and what is unconditional self-love, what is, what is you know, unconditional acceptance. And, and I had been writing, so I'd kind of been opening the channels for this to come through. And then at that same time, I was also contemplating this uh, line from a movie that I love. And the movie is called The Fountain. Um, and I don't know if you've, you've seen The Fountain, um, I don't know if but I it's, a, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful movie by Darren Aronofsky mm-hmm. and um, Hugh Jackman's in it and Rachel Weiss is in it. 
and it follows them, they're a couple and they're soulmates in three different lifetimes. Oh, and yes, yes. At this, okay, yes. It's Go a ahead. very beautiful movie, and it talks obviously about <laughs> death and rebirth and the soul and, and love and the eternal nature of love, and it, it's a beautiful movie. And at this point, I had actually part of the, these life-changing events of coming to Australia was I met uh, a soulmate, somebody I'd mm-hmm. shared many lifetimes with. Mm-hmm. And Excuse me. And so I'm in the middle of this experience, and I hear the words, and, I, and they were like, you know, words that came from, they were so strong mm-hmm. inside of me. And, you know, once I love myself, loving another is an act of self-love. Once I love myself unconditionally, loving another is an act of self-love. And at the same time, this, this line in this movie had stood out to me so clearly. And the, the line in the movie was that death is the road to awe or death mm. is the road mm. to liberation or death is the road to salvation. And mm. a lot of cultures, especially a lot of traditional cultures, believe that death is the road to liberation of the soul. So once we die, then we can be free. But I've always had this in my heart that we could be free while we're in a human body, that we could be liberated within the body and really experience that freedom and that liberation that a lot of religions or philosophies you cannot experience until you're free of a physical body. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting. And so basically those two sentences became, you know, that through loving ourselves unconditionally, we basically heal all the emotional pain that is undergo or the separate self. And so that loving ourselves is basically the path to the death or the separate hmm. self and thus the, the aspiration in this lifetime. And so that's no. when I began to see that self-love. Go ahead. Yes. Oh, no, go, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I just, can you say that last two, those last two sentences again, if you can remember? What was the part about... Um, death again when you I'm sorry I want to make sure I understand yes you know know, a lot of us believe we have to die physically to be reborn but what we don't realize Mm -hmm. is that we can die to who we think we are every day and actually multiple times daily so that who we really are can be born more fully in in our Mm -hmm. body and in our life Mm -hmm. and okay so profound those insights yeah, it, for me, it, it was. And, mm-hmm. and those insights basically just showed me that if you imagine a road up a mountain to and liberation within a physical body in this lifetime, this one right now that we're all living right now, that it was through loving myself unconditionally and through loving ourselves unconditionally that we walk the most direct path to that liberation. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so okay. those insights wow. basically later gave way to, I have to write a book about this because I realized that in my own quest, you know, a decade of looking for healing, learning all these different forms of medicine, looking for my purpose, looking for freedom and peace and enlightenment and joy, Mm -hmm. that all Mm -hmm. I was doing was one, looking for love, and Mm -hmm. thus two, learning Mm -hmm. how to love myself in order to find the source of love inside of me and that that Mm -hmm. was the path to liberation. And um, so that's that's what inspired me to write the book because I knew in my heart that this was true for everybody. And it was not a religion. It was just, just, to me, just resonated so true for me as a human being. And I could just see it in everybody around me. 
Um, and mm-hmm. so I felt I had to share the message that that was actually why I came to the planet. Um, and so far, the message is spreading on its own and it has a life of its own. So it seems to be proving itself out, you know, that it wasn't mm-hmm. just, you know, my yeah. own delusional thinking or some story I had told myself. But it was, I think it is actually what the universe wanted me to come here and do. Um, oh, definitely. So I can feel that. Yeah, um, so that's, you know, that's a little Go bit. ahead. Yeah, so that's a little well, bit, I guess, about my story. Yeah, and it's I just I love your story, and I thank you for sharing some details um, that aren't in the book too. So it's it's nice to get even more. I just I love details, and um, it was it's really a profound transformation. And I really meant it when I said it that you I think you really do embody. I mean, just I I've never met you in person, but just seeing pictures of you, like just the light in your eyes is just phenomenal. Like you just seem incredibly happy and fulfilled, and so clearly, um, you know, your message is. I mean, not only have you embodied your message, but you're and living it. But you're, you know, I think that it does. It does seem like that. That's what you were. You. That's what you were supposed to do. Here um, and then to and it is and it, yeah and you're welcome and also to um, I'm an author myself and it is no small feat to write a book. So um, congratulations on just um, thank you this work of art um, and you're welcome and I do you have your I have the book here I don't know if you I didn't ask you this beforehand but I'm do you have it in front of you Blake I'm wondering if there's anything that you want to, if not I, do you want me to read anything I was I don't know if you have it in front of you but um, mm-hmm. I don't know um, you do <laughs> no yeah I do I, have it in front of me. Um, is there? Is there do you feel, feel like to no. read anything? You don't feel the need to read. No. Okay. Are no. Are you okay if no. I read something or? You can um, read whatever you want. I'm I'm totally open. Okay. <laughs> You're, I don't feel the need to read my own book. Um, well, there's okay. Well, first of all, I mean, it'll probably be random, except for well, here's here's one: the death of self. You mentioned that, um, and I do want to get into desire because I think that's something that really. Oh, here we go. That's funny that I mentioned that because I flipped right to that page. How funny. Um, Okay, well, before we go into that then, just really quickly, um, one of my favorite quotes from you um, is here. Let me see if I can find it. um, And you said this before in the beginning of um, our talk here. I was ultimately just looking for love when, in fact, I was love itself. I mean, you can't really get much better of a quote than that. You know, it's kind of like one of those, like, um, mantra. it's like a mantra almost to me. Um, so, and of course there's a, I, I, there's, I'm going to read this whole, this whole page, the whole page, the whole, this chapter here. I mean, I'm sorry, the paragraph. Like all of us unconsciously do, I also realized that I had lived my whole life like a puppy dog chasing its tail. I ultimately just looking, I was ultimately just looking for love when in fact I was love itself in awakening to this universal and fundamental truth, I realized that the path to finding the abundant source of love within us, which is also the path to embodying the love that we are, is one that requires all of us to answer the evolutionary call to master loving ourselves unconditionally. Um, and this is, I mean, this whole, this is just your introduction. Um, it's, just, it's just like insight after insight after insight in your book and just um for me it was just a profound awakening because um again it, you do your writing does remind me of Eckhart Tolle and of course it's you are yourself though i mean you're your own 
master, but um, there's this this book is just chock full of insights like that, where it's literally like every line that you write. Um, I'm curious, just from a writer's point of view, um, did you did it? Do you feel like the book just came through you, or did you like consciously, you know what I mean? Like with every was every word consciously chosen, or was it more channeled, or was it like a combination? I'm just curious from that angle before I read the part about desire. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. First of all, I just want to say thank you very much. Like I um, got the chills when you read, you know, you were reading. Um, I think <laughs> one, you know, because it is universal, it's so healing even for me to hear um, mm. because mm. it's so much bigger yeah. than me and whoever Blake, you know, is. Uh, it's so much mm. bigger than my identity or my ego or even my being or my lifetime. It's, it's so much bigger, yeah. and um, obviously it was just mm. an honor that what has been so meaningful to me is meaningful mm. to you and to other people. Mm. So, you know, thank you for, for that honor. I'm very grateful. Mm. Um, well, it's okay. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Your, so your question was, I'm sorry. Um, well, just, um, did you, you I mean, because there are so many, oh, yes. I mean, again, yes. there's, there, I mean, so like, there's, I mean, there's even like ocean of pure love and, this ever-present source that's already alive within each one of us. Um, once we've suffered enough to finally value ourselves, that part really struck me. That's been a huge thing for me. Like, did you consciously choose your words, or did they flow through you, or was it a combination? I'm curious. It was definitely a combination. So most, okay. pretty much, I think 99% of the book was just it came through me. Um, okay. It was inspiration. So it was like I just had mm. to, you know, obviously there's no separation. So it was my own awakening. And I was mm. just writing the, what seemed to be the most important things that I had realized. And so mm -hmm. it definitely it just okay. came through my heart. And it was never forced. Um, it took me, that book, the new edition, all up now is five years. It took wow. me four years to get the first edition out. And when I wow. say you know, four okay. years of writing. Yeah. So, you know, there were times when I was not <laughs> writing. Um, but, you know, because things would just come through in their own time. I was clear the whole time from, from the moment I had those original insights, I knew that I was destined to write this book. So that was the beginning. And then I started to write and it would just come through. And then, um, and then it was probably more the editing. You know, I edited the book over, you know, probably 40 times the whole text, wow, literally wow. reading every word and printing <sighs> it out. That's amazing. And then, yeah. and then, and then, you know, and then um, um, marking it up and then going back, making the changes, reading it again, then printing it out. And I did that 40 times and literally to the point <laughs> that I made myself sick because <laughs> I swear to God, I got nauseous. I, because it's like if you think about a, a circle between what's inside of you and it's going out of you and then it's coming back in. And yeah. literally I had made myself sick. I got to the point where it was like I just can't do this anymore. And then I knew it was ready <laughs> because I had gotten – I had got, I just mm. couldn't do it anymore. Mm. It was time to... to suffer. And it was time. <laughs> it was it time was to come time, out of the cocoon. But I, I didn't – Exactly. To fly. It was time for your book time, to fly. So it was time. <laughs> mm, exactly. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, yeah, so it was oh mostly God. just pure inspiration from my heart. Wow. Um, mm. and wow. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. You can really feel and it, too. You can really feel it. Go ahead. Thank you. 
I would say there were times when I would have a really strong idea that would be very inspired, and then what I would Mm -hmm. do would be I would sit, and then I would intellectually kind of dissect the idea so that when Mm -hmm. I went back to write, I was really clear. So Mm -hmm. definitely that that active and passive, you know, the writing and then the reflecting um, process that happened at certain points as well so that I could communicate the ideas as clearly as possible. Yeah, so I hope that, and, that answered your question. And it does, thank you. It, it, I mean, it helps me. And I'm, I'm asking this, if anyone listening is wondering, I'm asking this both um, for my own, because I'm finishing up my book, and I, it's really helpful to hear how the pro, what the process is like for you. But also, for other people listening, um, this is part of the process, right? Like, this is sort of what happens um, when you do love yourself unconditionally, is, is part of it is that is that professional commitment and responsibility that you talk about in your book to um, fulfilling your your destiny right i mean like yes. this this book is yes. is sort of like a fulfillment of of you waking up um yes. and which is pretty so profound no, if you think about it i guess on one level yes and then on one level it just is because i think it there's no difference between me and you and your journey and my journey so mm-hmm. it just is you know it's like like I believe everything's spiritual. It's kind of the same idea. It's like my, my, the desk I'm sitting at right now is spiritual and mm. the money in my pocket is spiritual and everything physical mm. is spiritual as well as our destiny and our purpose. And so I, you know, a lot of us see a separation between what's spiritual and not spiritual, but the truth is, is that everything is and everything that we're going through and each of our unique journeys and passions and, and what we find to be our own purpose, you know, it's all spiritual. It's all God. It's all mm. love. Um, mm. So, you know, and, and there's no separation. My, my, you know, what I came to realize in searching for my life purpose, you know, why am I here, is that, um, you know, the book and what I do, the work I do with people is obviously a fruition of that, but it's all the result of me loving myself unconditionally. So I believe everybody's mm. life purpose is to love themselves unconditionally so that they can become love, so that you can embody love in whatever you do. So, you know, Edie, for you, you know, that might, as you love yourself and you become love, that can manifest itself through your book, through your radio show, through whatever you choose to do. And for other people, that could be architecture. They love themselves and they love architecture and they build beautiful buildings or homes or um, somebody might be, uh, you know, like to, to make pottery or jewelry or somebody might like to cook. So the path is unconditional self-love and how that love manifests in the physical world is unique to each of us. And the only way we can find that is through following our heart and through following those desires in our heart like we talk, we're, you know, you, like you want to get into. Talk about, um, yeah. And yeah. so, you know, so I think that's one thing hmm. I need, you know, it's really important to know that I never heard was that my purpose in life was to bring love into the world. And the way to do that was to learn to love myself unconditionally so that I could mm-hmm. become love in whatever form that manifests. And I believe it's the same for everybody who's listening and everybody who's alive so that we can love ourselves, love others, love life every day, love what we do, um, and always come from that place of joy and love um, instead of mm-hmm. fear and you know, misery or, um, yeah. Mm, that's... 
that's so well said. And I just, again, I'll say it again, Blake, that I really do think that you make this tangible. Like it, I mean, you're talking about everything being spiritual, and I, I think this is this is where it gets really um, real for me and exciting because this is, it's kind of like we're talking again about. You mentioned like the like a higher vibration and it, it is kind of like the I think I mentioned this in my book I at this point I don't remember because there's you know everything's running together but I think I say stay in the vibration of love or I read it somewhere but that's kind of what's reminding me of is like when you're talking about everything is spiritual like you know when you have those flashes I don't know maybe you have those all the time now it's starting to speed up for me a little bit where I do feel the sense of oneness with everything and I, I do feel like I can do you know what I mean? Like I feel like I can um I feel like this energy that you that you're talking about where I'm like, Oh, I get it, like this flash of insight and I'm like, Okay, I get it. I feel one with everything and it's like um everything feels perfect and spiritual but also very real. Um and there's no ego involved and um it's just such a an incredible feeling and place to be and what I get from you, I mean among many other things, is that, that this is a tangible thing, kind of what you were talking about earlier, is like that you can be born again, right? Like but we can sort of like wake up and, and be be liberated and free and embody love on this plane. I think we're always to me it seems like we're always fantasizing about something afterwards. You know, but the whole point is to be here now. And that's the other part is, I mean, your message, if I'm understanding it correctly, is unconditional self-love, but also in the present moment. And that's kind of like the other right. part of it is is like being present. And I think that um, that can be really challenging for people. Um, and again, it's, you know, there's so many ra- ways that we can, that we want to, again, we want to run away from our own souls um, or ourselves. Um, however you want to relate to it. But um, but I think that when we're talking about um, desire here, um, I really wanted to um, just, I was really struck by this in your book um, when you were talking about desire because I think, and you know, I know that you mentioned that you um, struggled with addiction when you were young and um, that's, I think a lot of us associate uh, you know, associate addiction and desire, and yet what I, what I read in what I read in your book is that desire is a is a good thing. It's when it's in balance, um, when we can find. This is a quote from your book: "Is when we can finally learn to enjoy life each day without doing so self destructively. Um, we can dance between what we desire and the associated pleasure and pain. Always leads to a clear understanding of the universe's perfectly designed plan to number one wake us up, and number two help us remember." that all of the peace, health, happiness, fulfillment, freedom, and love we desire will only be found in the depths of our own heart and soul. It's so profound. Um, but again, it's about, it's like that desire that we all have to to wake up and, and feel love and freedom. Um, we have the key, and it's, you know, but you make it seem so real. Um, that's the part that I love is, anyway, I just wondered if you wanted to address anything with, the concept of maybe it's like maybe if we're if we're afraid to wake up, you know, that's one thing. But what about if you do desire? Maybe you can get in touch with the feeling to, of the desire to wake up. Yes, yes, definitely. And I can well, that was definitely present for me. And I think mm-hmm. that even if we're not conscious of it, that that is a desire in inside everybody. It's there underneath all the other desires because we all want to be free. And like you said, we all want to be at home in the source of love inside of ourselves. And this is probably one of the most important points we can talk about. And I really I want, to, okay. this is, I want to make this really clear for everybody is that so 
basically right now inside of us, we do have this infinite source of love and peace and happiness in us. It's, it's actually who we really are. It's our soul's true nature. And it is covered up by pain from the past, emotional pain from the past. And then on top of that pain are the limiting beliefs we have to, that actually protect us from that pain. So the limiting beliefs are a layer that actually make up our cocoon. So if you imagine our cocoon, the fabric of our cocoon, the actual thread hmm. of our cocoon is the limiting beliefs. And those limiting beliefs protect us from pain. And okay. underneath that pain is the source. And so okay. what most of us do, and this is why it's important for us to go after our desires so that we can learn these lessons, is that right now in the present, what most of us do is we create these conditions in our mind where we say, I will be more lovable if mm-hmm. or when I meet a condition in the, in the future. So I will love myself when I lose weight mm-hmm. or right. I will love myself when I get my degree mm-hmm. or I will mm-hmm. be more lovable, mm-hmm. right, when I'm more successful. I'll be more mm-hmm. when I do this in the future. And mm-hmm. underneath that is that belief that I'm not lovable just the way I am. I don't deserve love just as I am. I'm not enough. I'm, 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 you know, a bad person or undesirable or not attractive. And those are the limiting beliefs that are protecting us from pain, from Mm. the pain we've had in the past. Mm -hmm. And firstly, all that pain that we store inside of us. So I believe, and my book talks about how all the pain that we experience and all disease, so all physical illness and disease, well, let me say 95%, of all physical disease and illness and mental illness and all of our struggles in life, depression, are the result of us not knowing how to relate to ourselves with unconditional love, kindness, and respect in the past. Mm -hmm. Thus, all of our symptoms, all of our struggles, all of our suffering is a cry from our soul in the present asking us to love ourselves unconditionally now. But... Mm -hmm. Instead, what most of us do on a daily basis, and not only a daily basis, but a moment-by-moment basis, is we say, I will love myself if and when I meet some condition in the future. And we're always chasing after that condition. And in the end, it's never enough. So once we get the degree or we lose weight, often (laughs) we still don't feel lovable or we still don't feel Mm. good about ourselves. Yes, that's the the rub, isn't it? (laughs) That's the rub. And the, trans- <laughs> the translation, that also, exa- that translates into, so if I say to myself, I'll be lovable when I lose 20 pounds or 50 pounds, or I'll be lovable when I make more money, or I'll be lovable when I get the degree, or I'll be lovable when, I, when someone loves me. When I say that to mm-hmm. myself, I'm also mm-hmm. saying, I'll be happy when, I'll be at peace when. I'll be mm-hmm. fulfilled when in some future reality that will only happen if we meet some condition. But if we focus on that and we get there, we realize that that actually is not going to give us the experience that we want. We're not going to be happy. We're not going to be at peace. And the reason why is because the only thing that blocks us from loving ourselves, from feeling love in our heart, from feeling at peace, from feeling happy, from feeling fulfilled right now in this moment is all the pain in our heart that's 
been caused by us not relating to ourselves with love in the past. So the key to mm-hmm. ending that game okay. and to being that self-destructive is to learn what it means to love ourselves here in the present right now. Mm, regardless. And, um, regardless. Regardless. And that's really, yeah. and when you, when you talk about the marriage of being present and the marriage of loving yourself unconditionally, it's really important to see that the only thing that's stopping us are these beliefs and these thoughts in our head that we keep projecting into the future that I'll be loved more lovable if, and I'll be more lovable when, when really the source of love is inside of you right now. And the only Mm. thing that's blocking you from that source Mm. is the pain from your past, from all the times that you haven't been true to yourself. You haven't expressed your emotions or what you're feeling that you haven't uh, stuck up for yourself or what you believe in and that you've, and all the moments that you've talked negatively to yourself or criticized yourself or been really hard on yourself, um, and most importantly, this is really important, all the times that you have let yourself be stopped by your own fear. So basically, mm-hmm. we make ourselves the victim with our own fear when we let our fear control mm-hmm. our choices in life as opposed to what we love. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say we have to go after what we desire because that desire in our heart is the love in mm-hmm. our heart that is driving us forward to learn all these lessons. So, yes, you, you know, the idea is to go after everything, really, to go after, mm-hmm. explore everything that you desire. So you mm-hmm. can even accept, for example, you can accept a desire in your heart, let's say, to eat a piece of chocolate cake without actually <laughs> eating the chocolate cake. So and not actually, but not actually eat fully, it? <laughs> you could, yeah, you, you, could, say, you could fully embrace oh, it, you but... If you eat that chocolate cake uh-huh. and you enjoy it and it's, and it's a great experience and then afterwards you don't beat yourself up, then that's okay. And so next mm-hmm. time you'll be more at peace with that whole process. But if you eat the chocolate cake and you make yourself sick or you break out in a rash or you feel like crap, mm-hmm. then you're going to learn <laughs> from that pain on the other mm-hmm. side of that pleasure the next time you don't want the chocolate cake and you'll be at peace with it. So the desire won't be as strong. Mm, but most of right. us, especially on okay. a spiritual path, we repress our desires. And then mm-hmm. we never learn the lessons about loving ourselves that those desires are driving us forward to do. So my experience is that the right. desires in my heart are God's desires or the universe's desires for me mm-hmm. to learn the lessons about unconditional self-love so that I could bring mm-hmm. love into the world. So even though I had a desire to write the book, for example, it wasn't the end. The end is for me to exist in a state of love and presence and kindness. And mm-hmm. for me, I had to write the book. That was a desire in my heart for me to feel fulfilled, for, for me to feel that I'm fulfilling my purpose here. So basically mm-hmm. all of our desires are leading us towards fulfilling our life's purpose, which ultimately is to exist in the world as unconditional love. And how that looks is very different for all of us. So mm-hmm. if you could imagine, we're all going to the, the, to the same mountaintop, but mm-hmm. we're all coming from a different direction. So, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, yes. That's very well so, said. So if, if our okay. desires lead us into pain, mm-hmm. then we learn from that. And it's like if, you want, if you're really curious about touching the fire and you desire to touch the <laughs> fire to know what the fire feels like, then you know mm-hmm. what? Go for it because you're, then you're going to learn that, you've, that you'll burn yourself and it's going to be very painful when you touch the fire. So next time you're in front of a fire, there won't be a desire. But mm-hmm. if you don't act on it and you've never actually explored that fire, then mm-hmm. you will probably live your whole life with regret that you mm-hmm. never ever went after what your heart desired. 
So mm-hmm. even if, yeah. you know, like for me, for example, like I said, I went to five different universities. I did probably two dozen professional trainings. I never wow. actually got a degree or graduated from anything. And a lot mm-hmm. of people judged me and couldn't understand why mm-hmm. I was going from one thing to the next, searching mm-hmm. for what I was searching for. They thought I was just changing my mind or couldn't commit. When the truth mm-hmm. was, I was learning how to commit to myself on the, on the, the deepest level that you could. Mm-hmm. And yeah. a lot of people couldn't understand that. Um, mm-hmm. But those desires led me in each experience, each thing that I desired, and then later realized that wasn't the thing that was going to fulfill me, led me to mm-hmm. the realization that everything I desired was already inside of me. And it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how much I tell you or how much anybody tells us that. Someone 10 years ago or 15 years ago could have told me this and outlined it. But if I don't go through it myself and experience, yeah. it, experience it myself, then I'm not going to actually understand it fully. I won't get it. So exactly. that's why we have to go exactly. after what we desire so we actually get it. I, and, and it's not thank just you for idea. saying that. Yeah. It's not just an yeah, so yeah. it's not just an idea, so it's real. And also it is you know um I I think a lot of people can relate to feeling judged, you know, for everybody has their path and I really do think that people deep down inside um know um what they what they desire, what they want. It's just, you know, everybody has their own path and they are, even if they, you may not know exactly what your path is, but you have a feeling about it. And, you know, to be, and I think it's really important for all of us to respect each other's paths. Um, and, you know, and also for, but for ourselves, for, for ourselves to respect our own paths because they're very unique. And, you right. know, it's, and it's, there's no way that, I mean, you know, each life is such a mystery, and the universe itself is so is so mysterious, and it's it's endless, and it's um, so you know to honor your own path is and and to be and to feel and just to find the courage to to follow it is is a is is huge for any of us, um, and so yeah. whether or not other people can understand us, um, it, it it really does come back to respecting and loving yourself enough to know that all or, or, or all the way respecting and loving yourself all the way and trusting and knowing that you are on your path whether or not you're you know where you're going to end up um that just loving yourself right. along the way and respecting yourself regardless of of who's thinking what on the outside because it's ultimately it doesn't matter and it, it can get in the way too and i think that's a lot of us are afraid of that um so I think that's definitely, I really appreciate you mentioning that. And then also I think um, for me, the other part is, and this is a, this is what really came up for me, Blake, when I first started reading your book, because I was kind of, it's definitely been, I'm realizing now, a theme for me. And I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to be a little vulnerable here. Um, I know we're getting toward, we we technically, and you and I have been talking about this, we technically have a little uh, less than half an hour, and um, I'm going to leave it up to you, when you where it feels good for you, because um, I, I definitely want to, you know, leave off where it feels natural. Um, this is such a really, I think, important conversation. Um, and so just, I'll just let you, um, just let me know when it feels good for you. Um, but I want to say that one thing that really came up for me in this, and I was kind of afraid in the beginning because I, I know that it's an issue for me. And it's really hard for me to even say this out loud, but I'm going to say it because I figure there's no time like the present. <laughs> but I was really yes, struggling with... Okay, well, thanks. But um, so I've always struggled. Well, I'm realizing now I've always struggled with self-worth. And so yeah. it's 
and you know you can you can you can tell yourself oh you know it's not really there or somehow it will resolve itself magically or you know but it it always you know your thing kind of follows you around wherever you go until you do you know face it directly and that that is my i think that is one of my biggest sources of pain and so for me what i found actually in reading your book is that it's it feels good to love myself like it's like facing my feelings of, you know, um, low self-worth or not feeling like I have self-worth really wasn't as scary as I thought it was. It was actually really liberating. It felt really good. Like the more I practice um, unconditional self-love in the present moment, um, it's all I feel is I feel more relaxed. I feel safe. I feel more free. And I, I don't you know, sort of like um, it sort of dissolves that feeling of self-worth the more that I do it. And it's and it, it can be challenging in the real world, right, to um, honor yourself in every situation and to say what you need and to express your feelings. And, yeah, that part can be scary, especially if you, in my situation, if you, if, you know, if I don't feel that feeling of self-worth, to say what I need and what I feel is can be really challenging. Um, but if I have that safety net, I, it feels like a safety net to me of unconditional self-love, then um, it it really does work is all I can say. And it's I've noticed um, a lot of, I've made some really like kind of profound transformation, you know, in the last little while here. So it's definitely, it's this is practical advice and or I should say advice, it's wisdom and it, it really does work. And um, it's just, it's not as scary to face yourself as you might think. Um, it's scarier to not, face yourself isn't it i mean ultimately to me i think that's to to leave a to to not to not feel your pain is scarier than to feel it that's been my whole experience in this is is that's the real source of suffering right there so yes any thoughts (laughs) okay yeah thank you thank you so much for sharing um and i you know i guess i'm just so happy to hear that um you feel you know what you've read and what you've realized for yourself through that process has been helping you to deal with that because, you know, I've, I always struggled with low self-worth and insecurity and inadequacy myself. Um, and most people do deep down, you know, deep down, most people mm-hmm. do struggle with that issue. And what I've realized in, and, I, and again, I, am, I like to make things as simple as possible and as practical as possible and, and for myself and for other people. And so what I've realized with that whole dynamic is that the most important thing to understand really is that in every moment of every day, we have a choice to either be true to ourselves or to not be true to ourselves. So we either love ourselves or we let our fear stop us from loving ourselves. And when we are too afraid to say what we really think or feel or what we really want and need, or to even try, even if we're not clear, to even try being true to ourselves. Mm -hmm. What we do is we abandon ourselves. We abandon our soul. We we betray. We betray who we really are. We betray ourselves, Mm -hmm. and we hurt ourselves very deeply. So this is so important to understand, and is the most probably the most life-changing thing to understand is that when we are not true to ourselves in any moment, situation, or relationship, we hurt ourselves so deeply. And it is in that experience that we create all of the negative emotions that cause us pain. So when we betray ourselves, we hurt ourselves, we create anger towards ourselves, 
for not being true to ourselves. We, we were frustrated and angry at, our, at ourselves for not being uh, courageous enough or loving ourselves enough to overcome that fear. We create guilt and shame because if you think about it, you're telling a lie. When you're not being true to yourself, you're not being authentic, you're not being real, and you're lying to yourself and to other people. And so you create shame. You're ashamed of yourself. You create guilt. You're guilty. You feel guilty for, for not being true to yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, you create regret for that moment mm-hmm. of not being yeah. true to yourself in that moment. Um, and we also make ourselves the victim. So mm-hmm. in that moment of not being true to ourselves, we birth all of, you know, in Buddhism, they talk about co-arising, things co-arise. So when we're not true to ourselves, all of the uncomfortable pain and suffering arise in that moment. So every, everything we don't want in life flowers mm. when we're not wow. true to ourselves, basically. Mm. And if you think about it, most okay. people have been betraying themselves since they were kids mm-hmm. and have never learned to overcome their fears and be true to themselves in every relationship with their family, their spouse or their partner, their friends, their children, their parents, their boss. And if, so if you think about it, that's why so many of us struggle and are not happy mm-hmm. because every day we're lying to ourselves in some way. Mm-hmm. So that's the key. So how do we remedy this? Okay, so how do we fix 20, 30, 50 years of hurting ourselves and betraying ourselves? So first, mm-hmm. we have to become more present. We have to feel our body. We have to become aware of what we're feeling. And that's a process in and of itself to know that you're feeling angry, to know that you're feeling hurt, to be able to express, you know, I feel hurt, I feel angry, um, I feel sad, I feel... Um, neglected to be able to understand what you're feeling and to be and then to be able to understand well what do you need in this life you know do you need mm-hmm. excuse me do you need more time for yourself do you need more support from the people in your life do you need um, more attention or do you need someone to listen or to understand the things that you need and then also to understand what you want so what do you really want well I want to be happy or I want to write a book or I want to travel the world so to get to, to become really familiar, so you come, to come home to the present moment, to come to your body, come to your mind, to ask yourself questions like, what am I feeling right now? What do I need? And what do I want? What do I feel? Mm-hmm. What do I need? And what do I want? And then once you get clear, and over time we get more and more clear with that, then the next step is to talk about it and talk about it with the people in our life. So with our partner, our family members, our friends, and about, you know, whether it's about work or, you know, all the different important parts of our life, we need to start to really talk about what we're feeling, what we're thinking, what we want, and what we need, and to honor that. So then to speak and act based on what's true for us. And that starts to heal the pain we created from the past from not being true to ourselves. So it, it, it's, it heals the past by loving ourselves in the present in this way. But it also prevents, it's like preventative medicine. It prevents us Hmm. from creating more pain, more depression, more disease, more illness in the future. So -hmm. that's the remedy, is to love ourselves Mm -hmm. right now and express what we're thinking, feeling, what we understand that we want and need, even if we're not clear, to start getting Mm -hmm. it out. And by doing that, we heal the past in the present, and we prevent future suffering Mm -hmm. in the present, if that makes sense. So I love how you say that. Yeah, back, he, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
So again, so I'm, we're not going to feel worthy of good things if we don't treat ourselves as being worthy. So if you're not true to yourself, of course you're going to feel guilty and ashamed and, and not good enough. And, and how can you feel sorry for yourself and respect yourself at the same time? So the only way to respect yourself is to be true to yourself. The only way, and, and self-respect comes with self-worth. So that's mm-hmm. one thing. But the other really important thing to understand, again, to make this practical, Edie, and I'd love you just to kind of check in and see how this hits you for your own experience. Okay. When you don't express what you're really thinking, feeling, want, or need, mm-hmm. so when you're not being true to yourself in any moment or situation or relationship, and you internalize and repress those thoughts and those feelings, what we do is we cut ourselves off from the source. So remember I talked about there's that source Mm -hmm. inside of us of Mm -hmm. peace and health and happiness and love. And that source (laughs) is one with the universe. That's our infinite self that is literally and tangibly one with all of the energy in the universe as it expands infinitely out in every direction as far as we're capable of knowing or seeing at this point in human evolution. We are one with that. And that source inside of us is one with that, that larger universe. So when we repress what we're thinking, feeling, wanting, or needing, we cover up that source. It's like taking a hose and twisting it, putting a kink in it, and you're stopping the flow mm. of oh. life. So when you Mm -hmm. repress what you're really feeling, you're repressing that energy from flowing naturally. So you begin to feel cut off, and that's why I believe we feel inadequate because we're disconnected from the – we've covered up or blocked the source of infinity, of abundance. So the key to remedy – And like infinite love. Again. Oh, go ahead. Exactly. Exactly. And so the remedy – again, it's so simple – Accept what you're feeling and thinking and express it. And even if it Mm -hmm. causes a lot of uproar in your life because in the past you have not expressed yourself Mm -hmm. and everybody's used to that, you're just going along with it or pleasing. So, yeah, it might shake up your whole reality, but in the end it's the healthiest thing for you and for everybody involved, even for the people who get upset. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, all you've got to do is just check in, Come to be aware of what you're thinking, feeling, what you want, what you need, and begin to express it. And then when you do that in every situation where you feel you need to say something or you need to be true to yourself, then you keep that source open. You keep that channel open. You keep that hose open and flowing, even if it's scary. And then you always feel adequate because you're respecting yourself in every moment. You're respecting your thoughts. You're respecting your emotions. You're respecting your needs and you're respecting your desires. And when you respect yourself in that way, you feel worthy and deserving of the best in life. Mm. Uh, and that's simple. It, it, it's challenging, uh, mm-hmm. but it's right. not complicated. We make it complicated in avoiding the simple answer because the simple answer, answer is challenging. <laughs> and, and also there's, <laughs> we, make the fear, we make the fear worse than it has to be. But also what I, what I hear you saying is that when you don't um, kind of disavow your own feelings, um, you reconnect with source, and so you have, you've got support. Like it's it's when you don't exactly. honor yourself that you're kind of. I mean, you're still connected, but it's it's. I love the the metaphor of the the hose because um, you know, who doesn't want like a direct you know a direct line to source? Like it's just you want to keep that channel open. And then um, exactly. so you've got the, ch- and you've got the support that you need. 
And eventually, eventually that source will open back up. And so mm-hmm. the pressure will get so mm-hmm. bad that you'll mm-hmm. be forced to open up. So then the, mm-hmm. the, your choice becomes, yeah. right, so how does that manifest? That can manifest as mental illness. That can manifest as, you know, outbursts of anger and reaction. That can manifest as death. I mean, physical death. Mm-hmm. You know, you can actually wow. make yourself so sick. Well, I believe all cancer and all physical disease, or say 95 to 99%, comes from this dynamic, just not expressing your emotions and not being true to yourself. So over time, your energy channels, the channels inside of you become so blocked up and the pressure builds that your system stops functioning. You know, you get mm-hmm. masses, you get tumors, you get ruptures, you get toxins because so much is not flowing that if you were just true to yourself, would be flowing. And mm-hmm. yeah. so, again, it can, it can become bipolar, it could become uh, manic depressive, it can become physical illness, it can become very reactive, or it can be, or eventually, actually, it does, not will, not could, but eventually it leads to physical death earlier mm-hmm. than necessary mm-hmm. if uh, we're true to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so that that's really is so, that, and I and I did. It's really interesting too because I really did get the feeling in your book that you were talking about like so. So being authentic is a huge part of um, being true to yourself. Being authentic is a huge part of loving loving yourself unconditionally. And I was yeah. kind of joking to myself that um, I have in this huge book that I'm finishing. Like um, I was there's a sentence where I say, oh, in my next book I'm gonna I'm talking about authentic health, and then I thought to myself. I don't need to write that book because Blake's already written it. It's called "You Were Not Born to Suffer." Like you've already addressed it. Like authentic health is is being is is what you've written about. So um, anyway, that was just something that popped into my head. So so (laughs) it's already been done. So so thank you. And um, so Blake, if if someone wanted to um, work with you, because I know you've worked with thousands of people, which is amazing, all on its own. Um, how does how would they contact you? How does someone go about um, working with you? Maybe you can give us a little bit of like detail into what happens. And because I mean, obviously, like you also do like when you work with someone, do you do like energy healing and like do you work with them? You know, like teach yes. them qigong and stuff like that too. So it's kind of like a whole thing. Yes, it, well, it depends. You know, obviously on a few factors which is, you know, what people are struggling with right now, what they want to achieve, and, you know, the gravity of their situation. Um, so it's a combination of, of counseling or therapy and also life coaching towards creating what you want in your life. Um, it's also uh, alternative medicine. So we, ad- we address, you know, diet, lifestyle, supplements. Um, and I also do, yes, uh, very deep energy healing with people. So it's, it's quite... Uh, you know, a mixture of things and everybody's different. So I just kind of call on what's most appropriate at that time. And I definitely do teach people Qigong and meditation because I believe they're two of the most powerful healing practices that we can do for ourselves um, Mm. to heal ourselves, basically. Um, Mm. You know, in, in my book, in the beginning, I talk about, you know, the old story, you know, that you can um, give a man a fish and he eats for a day or you can teach a woman to fish and she will eat for a lifetime. And to me, <laughs> learning to love ourselves unconditionally, that's how we fish. And, you know, even like the, the metaphor of Jesus, you know, we fish, fish for our own soul and keep fishing mm-hmm. for our own soul. And, um, 
And mm-hmm. so for me, I, that's why I wrote the book was because I felt that I could help people to love themselves unconditionally or uh, fish for themselves and thus nourish their soul forever. Um, mm-hmm. and, yes. Um, yes. Which so, is the so point. that's what I do one-on-one. Yes. Um, so one-on-one, that's what I do with people, and I also do that with couples um, and even families. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah, so it, it manifests in different uh, scenarios. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it is, it is wonderful, and I, you know, obviously I love, thank God, love what I do, and um, <laughs> it's an honor, as, you know, to be mm-hmm. witness to people's most vulnerable um, parts of themselves. So um, it's mm-hmm. a very, it's a great honor. Um, so my, and, I have oh, a website, um, yes. like you were saying, just in case people want to contact me, my website Absolutely. is unconditional-selflove.com. Uh, my book is on Amazon. I'm on Facebook. Um, I work with people all over the world via Skype. Right now I'm in um, Geelong, Victoria, which is an hour outside of Melbourne, uh, mm-hmm. Australia. Um, there are people who come from all over Australia to work with me. Um, wow. So I'm very open and flexible. You know, I, I will block out a whole day for people who are coming mm-hmm. from out of town, sometimes even two mm-hmm. days, um, mm-hmm. you know, to do intense uh, work. So, yeah, there's, there's many options. Mm-hmm. And then I, and I wow. teach workshops and seminars uh, a few times a year, um, which you can find either wow. through Facebook or um, on my website. So Okay. And your Facebook uh, page, I wanted yeah. to mention, you have a couple of Facebook pages, right? I mean... You have yeah. you were not born yeah, to think, suffer by Blake Blake D. Bauer. Oh, right, go ahead. for the book. Yeah. Yes. So there was you were not born to suffer for the book, and then under my name Blake Bauer, which is B L A K E, and then Bauer B A U E R. Uh, there's another page. So either of them okay, are great. great. Blake Bauer is probably ideal as far as events mm-hmm. and news and things like that. Um, okay. I also have an email list um, on my okay. website that anybody could sign up for. Um, that I only send out things occasionally if there's an event mm-hmm. or something to announce. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, I have a question. Yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing of that. And also, I want to mention again, um, if anybody wants, so again, you graciously offered, you gave, um, you sent me two extra copies of your book, which is just so amazing. And I, I you know, anyone who um, has this book is, um, it's just a it's just a huge gift, and again, um, so we're giving away two of Blake's books, um, a copy of his second edition. It's got the beautiful blue butterfly on the front, and um, if you want to win a copy of Blake's book, go ahead and go to connectwell.com. Again, that's it's spelled unusually with a K in the middle, so it's C O N N E K T W E L L dot com. Connectwell.com and fill out a free profile. And then this is, I made this an essay contest just because I guess I'm a writer. So I didn't think a random, I don't know, I just didn't want it to be random. So just write a couple of sentences even of why um, you think you should have this book. And um, we're going to pick two people and send you copies, So which is kind of cool. So, um, And then Thank I had a quick question, um, Blake. So energy healing... This has been coming up a lot lately. Um, we have got about six minutes left here. But when you do energy healing with people, are you doing like, is it like Qigong or is it something else? I'm just curious what that would be. Um, well, Qigong is definitely a form of energy healing. And I actually think mm-hmm. it's the most powerful form of energy healing because mm-hmm. um, if we learn, we learn Qigong, um, like I was using the, the fishing analogy, you know, we learn how to heal ourselves. We learn how to keep our energy channels open 
And Qigong helps us to purify the mind, the body, the heart, and the energy body. And so for me, it was one of the most effective practices I've come across. But mm-hmm. what it helped me to do, what it helped me to do um, was twofold. So as I practiced more and more Qigong and, and loved my body and took care of my health and expressed my emotions, I began to clear out all the toxicity in my body, in my heart, and my mind, which did two things. It allowed more energy to come through me from the universe, mm-hmm. so from the earth and from the universe around me, so to bring through a higher vibration and more powerful, uh, more quantity, higher quality of energy when I'm doing energy healing. Um, and Qigong is also a technique that helps you to build your own life force and actually right. store uh, energy in your body. That's a very high quality, high vibration. Um, okay. So it definitely helped me to become a more effective uh, practitioner, more sensitive. It helps you to become much more sensitive to energy, to actually mm-hmm. feeling energy um, on a very deep level. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it, it, it manifests in various forms and has definitely helped me personally and also professionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's actually um, qi, Qigong. I don't. I like how you say it better, but um, it's it's actually called energy cultivation and it's I think super super useful for um, anyone who has low energy for instance or if you have some kind of chronic condition qigong is is phenomenal um, I, just, I love how you were describing it because it, I didn't think of it that way but it, it does help you store more energy but also release and kind of it raises your vibration like you were saying but at the same time also store up more energy that you need um, so thank you for saying it the way that you did because it's I, I had no idea how powerful it is, and um, so, yeah, there's just, we have so many tools, and I also just really wanted to point out to people that, you know, when they are um, becoming their authentic selves and learning to love themselves unconditionally, and they are asking themselves, what do I need, what do I feel, um, you know, how do I express this, um, it can be extremely helpful to work with a professional um, like you, because, it, it, you know, you want to work with somebody who's safe and who's been there. And I think that and not every single person in your life is going to be safe. So sometimes, you know, and you can talk to people, obviously. Um, I think in, in a lot of cases it can work. But um, there's de- there are definitely professionals, um, very specific professionals like you that are here for this reason, is to help you, to guide you on that path. So you're, whatever, you know, path anyone decides to take, just, just I, I want them to know that they're not alone, um, that there's definitely support out there. So, um, you know, there's, there's no reason yeah, there are. to be afraid. No, definitely not. There really are. That's a great point, Edie, is there are some great people out there who have um, good intentions and, and, and have actually done the work themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so that's one side of the coin. And then the other side of the coin is that nobody can do for us what we can do for ourselves. And mm. nobody can save us. Mm. Nobody can rescue mm. us. Hmm. Nobody can heal us. And we are the only people who can do that. And the way to do that, to love ourselves unconditionally and to master mm. that. So we can have people who we trust that reflect back to us reflect where we're that. not loving ourselves and how right. we're not loving ourselves. But in the end, we're the ones who have to do it. We're the ones who have to break mm. free of our own cocoon. Because like the story, if anybody tries and help, helps us, we're going to die. You know, our soul oh. will die. Oh, my gosh. So, Blake. 
Thank you. That's um, the perfect place to end. Thank you so much for saying that. And it's because that is, I think I've noticed this, maybe you've noticed this too, um, that when people do contact me, I, I realize that mm, they're, they might be thinking that she's going to do this for me. And, and ultimately, that's the truth is that everyone, you do do it yourself. Um, but you, you can't. Right. You, <laughs> um, we have 90 seconds. I just you probably heard that, but um, but that I just I think it's the perfect place to end because, um, like you said, you you can you can set yourself free. You have to set yourself free, but other people can mirror back to you um, what freedom looks like and what it feels like. So that is a, um, the reason to to seek help. But thank you so much for clarifying that and for for coming full circle. Um, just what a what a beautiful um, way to end um, this time with you and. Um, so I just wanted to spend this this last uh, minute. I just want to thank you so much, Blake, for um, for again for sharing your gifts and for writing this just phenomenal book. Um, you were not born to suffer, and um, and also just for for being you. It's just been really great to know you, and I'm um, just thank you so much for all that you um, for being your your authentic self in this this world, for being a shining example of uh, and, and walking you, the Edie. walking the walk, talking the talk. So. Thank you so much. And um, thank, yeah, thank you. Um, you're welcome. And thanks for coming on my show. And and best of best wishes with everything. Oh, thank <laughs> you so much. I I do appreciate it so much. And I hope whoever's listening um, found it helpful. And the Absolutely. one thing I did want to say for anybody who wants a book that do- doesn't get yes. a book from the competition, um, yes. on Amazon the Kindle the Kindle book is only two dollars. Um, oh, and you can read that on your com- you can read that on your computer. You can read that on your phone. You can read that on your tablet. Um, so that's a great option. You know, for two dollars, I guarantee you will not find anything that will change your life as much for two dollars oh. as, as this book. So, um, <laughs> well, thank, thank yeah, you for mentioning so. that. I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, so on that note. Um, um, I just want to thank you again, and um, I'm sure that we'll talk again at some point. And again, thanks to everyone for listening. Um, and just have a take care and have a great day. <laughs> thank you, Edie. It was an honor, and thank you, everybody. Thanks. It was mine too. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Jumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.